Welcome to SCI Care, What Really Matters podcast. I am Dr. Jennifer Coker, and I will be your host for this special series we are calling ISCOS 2022 Vancouver Conversations. In this episode, Eric Wirtz and Geraldine Jockerman discuss the work the ISCOS Disaster Committee have been doing covering how to help SCI patients in an area of crisis such as Afghanistan, as well as including distance learning and the work on the SCI toolkit ISCOS has been working on with the WHO. Let's have a listen. My name is Eric Wirtz. I'm a physiotherapist and a member of ISCOS since more than 20 years now. And uh, we have seen the society moving into uh, a very wide, broader issue of topics, meaning related to spinal cord injury, care of spinal cord injury, improvement of it, prevention of spinal cord injury. But more recently and in the recent years, we see a lot of persons living with spinal cord injury that have to sustain changing of situations of their care status because of the injury itself. But uh, we see also that health systems have to withstand very sudden onset of shocks, of changes where the care that is provided cannot be continued anymore in the same way as it was before. Examples were during an instructional workshop on responding to emergencies for people with spinal cord injury, more particularly in Afghanistan, on which this, uh, this topic will go. We, we looked at how during the, change of, the sudden change of government in Afghanistan in August 2021 had an impact on the care of people with spinal cord injury that were seen there already in very difficult conditions since more than 20 years, but during that change and that sudden shock on the health system, we could see that the people with spinal cord injury uh, were quite affected by the shock because of care that was less available after the takeover of the of the government. Now, we set up a whole response system, meaning that with the national staff, the 50 staff that was working in the in the provincial rehabilitation center, as well as the the medical staff and the surgical staff that was working in the trauma center that was normally referring people to the provincial rehabilitation center, uh, that they were at loss uh, because of this sudden change, meaning the means were not available anymore, the security situation was a bit compromised, and of course there was a lot of unknown, of unexpected issues that rose because of staff was not paid and the, the care became very compromised. So. What we proposed was going through an WHO model of setting up a kind of transitional unit, a step-down unit, which would ensure that when people got trauma care at the general hospital, would be able, after a specific uh, time of care and specific services provided, would be able then to go home in better conditions. But of course, theoretically, this model was very uh, was very relevant, but we needed to see with the local staff, yeah, with the national staff in Afghanistan, on how this model could be applied in their specific setting. And this required that given a specific security situation, a specific absence of means, a specific physical access of um, being able to go there, needed to be backed up with more innovative approaches. And one innovative approach is, of course, distance learning or distance contact, on which we could still sustain a good communication line in terms of internet, in terms of communications. So from there, we designed a kind of plan with the national staff to give them uh, additional capacity building. We had to hire new staff that was then created to populate this specific step-down unit, meaning doctors and nurses that needed to be hired that were not available anymore. Now, 
for this and to enable them to learn more also about this new uh, this new setting, the new care for spinal cord injury, they needed of course to have very innovative approaches in terms of education and continuing education. And of course, being not available locally, we had to resort then to distance contact. And here, my colleague uh, Geraldine Jacquemin, Dr. Geraldine Jacquemin, would talk more about her experiences in providing this remote support, but based on her extensive experience also working in emergencies in other contexts and how they then could be applied for the context of the doctors working there in uh, in Afghanistan. So I I will leave the word more in a little bit to Dr. Geraldine to talk about her experience in this innovative approach on distance education in very uh, challenging settings. And Eric, before I do that, maybe let's remind our uh, listeners um, that we've worked on, of course, on several projects, and I've had the chance to participate to several projects with HI, uh, with you on site. And so with this new project, with distance learning, this is where I get to, you know, explain a little bit about the difference. But uh, we worked on different projects in Vietnam, Cambodia, at the border of Syria, in Haiti. And so I was, I, I've already been involved in several teaching projects with HI and with also other organizations. And in that project where I was solicited to support the local team, I have to say that what I found interesting is that well due to the security conditions what the distance learning enables is that the trainer doesn't have to be on site so regarding difficult situation that's an advantage right and also with this distance learning to have multiple modalities of learning so what we usually do is on Wednesday morning early morning I may remind we do case presentation and discussion we also plan to do some classic topic discussions and I'm also available on whatsapp if they have any questions if they want to send pictures or a question during the week where I can answer you know after my working day so this distance learning allows for a multiple modality. What I do find more challenging compared to the other situation which I've described is that I didn't meet the team uh, on a first face-to-face basis so that I'm able to know them, to know a little bit of their particularities and to know their more humanely or on a human contact. Since I'm not able to go by myself in Afghanistan due to some security issues, I'm not able to grasp their realities, either as a working team or as the patient. So the security, the economical, just a living situation. And so I find the counseling that I'm able to give maybe more challenging to be like on the track, to stay on the track. There are also some gender issue that I might miss. Yes, very important. Um, yeah, and so I'm... I'm forced to base myself on a more theoretical learning that either I learn from you, from reading the news, or from my questions, but not like on a on a sense. And so it's been uh, so far. It's been very uh, very interesting. We've had the question in the audience: Does the internet affect our consultations? Or and so far. What I told myself is that we have not because we've managed to do that in a proper setting, in a working setting where HI ensures that there's adequate internet 
maybe in other settings we would have issues, but so far we yep. didn't have that issue. Right. Yep. So thank you. So because mm -hmm. that that learning process on the magical pill sometimes that people put forward as distance education, well as you as you see, well you explained well the challenges uh, on one side, and also that you can extend it in, on, on a longer time frame, yeah, where we may have, maybe are not being stressed and having to finish specific yeah, information. Yeah, I forgot to yeah. say about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. What, what I find interesting yeah. is that we're not so stressed as, okay, coming uh, as, I, as, as we already did, organizing like a week where we need to have the people attention, you know, sustained attention, which is sometimes difficult due also to their living situations. I mean, spending three days of just listening to, uh, sometimes is, is difficult, listening to a trainer. And in this case, it's once a week or once every two weeks. We're not stressed that we've not covered all the topics because right. we all always can extend, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, no, that's, uh, that, that's, that's very good to hear that perspective as well. And and I think to by extension, I was more thinking now about, well, the next upcoming coming months and years and the needs that will still arise so hopefully uh, we hope that a step down unit will not be necessary anymore but the outlook in Afghanistan is not very positive economically speaking and, and the future the political the future of the country but uh, we have to look now more also on database issues to know better how first the, the persons that come to seek the services, what is changing in their lives, what is improving in their lives when they are discharged, when they meet with the mobile teams and what these mobile teams will observe either to see an improvement or to having to decide that they have to come back maybe to the center to have maybe further uh, follow-up as well. And I think that is one issue that is very important in terms of the future and then more specifically to work with, with ISCOS on this issue through the disaster committee. We have a lot of experienced people that can be pooled and, uh, and on which also that information will be shared with. And I think that is a very strong point here on being able at first to do this here at the conference but having also the committee available to uh, to be able to pull from them. And another point was in regard to the prevention committee where there was, it exists the IDEP database, which is a very good tool in collecting information on the characteristics of the injury of the patient, but also of the cause of the injury. And here in Afghanistan, then we were looking to have more information on the cause of injury to match that better with specific outcomes. But but I think at, uh, at, at the first sight, we will discover probably causes of injury that we think are obvious for Afghanistan, meaning conflicts, war, but there are a lot of other underlying causes that are not being documented because it's not a priority for Afghanistan. In every country you have car accidents, you have falls, you have occupational accidents, labor accidents, and though these don't get prioritized because of the conflict and the war going on and the focus that is put on this. So it's very important to also stress that vulnerable part of time called injured uh, that, that need to be addressed in the future as well. And that's why the education committee, I think it would be good also to look at how IDEP will uh, create, of course, a data collection platform in Afghanistan, and that also would then be fed into the IDEP database system to look at how that analysis can be done, on one hand, and forgetting also that the Kandahar Rehabilitation Center is one of the only centers in the south that is providing this specific care. The rest of the country have a lot of people that are on displacement, that don't have a legal site where they are living, and we would like then to look at how we could collect data from them, but not based on the capture area of their center, but based on their specific setting, on how in a refugee camp, displaced people, immigrants, undocumented people in Afghanistan, how we could collect also the causes of injury of them and to see how that differs also with other causes of injuries that we are seeing now. And, and Eric, I, I think that all, all this work being related to WHO allows us mm -hmm. to 
push on the rehabilitation issue at the WHO level to, I mean, all, all the work that is being done by ISCAS members in those committees and in our our work does allow us yep. to push further that that topic or to stress that importance at the, at the yeah. WHO level. And do you want to comment on that? Yes, uh, well, there are two examples recently with the EMT, the Emergency Medical Team Standards for Spinal Cord Injury Response that has in the process of being finalized and where ISCOS and the Disaster Committee has also been contributing to. And I think that will be a good document to, uh, let's say, to have the basics. But as I said before, it needs always to be tested and discussed with the national team on how they feel, you know, that they can contribute to this model and make it viable and then creating good responses that make changes for the people with spinal cord injury. On the other hand, we have the, the package of intervention of rehabilitation related to spinal cord injury that WHO is also developing and this being developed. So we need to see how this is that clinical package also can answer to the specific needs and the conditions of work in Afghanistan. And of course, the most important point is the SEI toolkit that ISCOS and WHO are developing and which is a, a multi-year project on which we will have meetings and exchanges yeah, in the next coming months as well and reviews and on how also again this fits and this can answer to the needs of the persons in Afghanistan. I think that this ISCOS meeting uh, after three years of absence a great yes. venue yeah. for us to meet to exchange on yeah. that to be motivated to yes. be even more motivated. We found different colleagues with different responses to emergency. We saw the people yes. from Notwell with their right. safe house. We saw so that that was a good venue for us to exchange and work further and, on. And uh, yeah. was a good kickstart, yeah, yeah, to to go on, you know, with all the different issues that have been discussed during this podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you are enjoying our Vancouver conversations. As always, we would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can email them to admin at iscos.org.uk. And in more exciting news, we invite you to join us in person again in the beautiful city of Edinburgh, Scotland on the 8th through 11th, October 2023. We hope to see you there.